Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... The fool walks in darkness. So here King Solomon tells us, my research has been extensive and it's been thorough. I've covered all the bases. I went out and experienced everything and anything and everything that a man or woman could go for. And here's my results. First off, it was a profound emptiness. It was like a hole that could never be filled. I just kept filling it and filling it and filling it, and the more I filled it, the emptier it was. Even though he was called the wisest man on earth, King Solomon sure made a lot of mistakes. He literally tried just about everything a man could try to find satisfaction out of life. In today's account, King Solomon imparts to us the profound emptiness he discovered through all of his earthly endeavors. As Pastor Jim shares the testimony of this earthly king, it would be wise for us to stop and consider what he has to say about a life lived apart from a meaningful relationship with our Creator God. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, When Will I Be Happy? Ecclesiastes 2.24 Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. Some versions say work. This also I saw was from the hand of God. All right, so imagine yourself, you're at a diner, Starbucks, uh, some public place, and people in the table next to you, maybe they're a little closer than you like people to be, and you're kind of eavesdropping in on their conversation. Do any of you ever do that? Liars, I know you all do. And so you're listening, these two women are there, you catch their names, Uh, let's just pick out a few that might be their names that maybe aren't the people here. Uh, Thelma and Louise. How many know who Thelma and Louise are? The younger people like, no. Uh, Max and Caroline. The older people like, who's that? They're two broke girls. Uh, Oscar and Felix. Everybody should know that now. And so they're, they're talking about their lives. And often is the case when we're talking with friends about our lives, as much as good might be going in our lives, it's, it's common for problems and worry to dominate the conversation, isn't it? Sort of a human thing that we all, we all deal with. And as you're listening, you realize that there is a profound discontent in their souls. It's very obvious. You notice what I just did. I said it's other people, not us. We don't have that. But there's a profound discontent. Eventually, one of them says it. You've been waiting for it. And they they just say this. They say, I just want to be happy. And then they look the other one in the eye and they ask the title of today's message, When Will I Be Happy? When Will I Be Happy? Happiness, contentment, satisfaction. A more biblical word is joy, although the Bible uses the word happy quite a bit. It's what everybody wants, right? And if you could bottle it, imagine if you could bottle it. I mean, you would go on Shark Tank and you would present your product and all the sharks would want to get involved, right? They were like, we're going to make millions 
on this product. And so they would invest in your company and, and your company would then start manufacturing a meaning and purpose supplement that you could buy. And then as your technology really went forward, you could, you could develop a problem-free, just the way I want it, life pill. And you'd be making billions. Nope, you'd be making trillions. Everybody would want your product. Now, did you know, you may not know this, but did you know that there is one company that claimed to make such a product? Long time ago, name of that company was the Satan Supplement Solutions Corporation. And he marketed a product called this. It was a natural fruit, and they said it will be like God fruit. You can have it. You know, when you watch those pharmaceutical commercials on TV, there's always that one, that list of side effects at the end. Well, Satan Supplement Solutions, be like God fruit, natural, did have a side effect. It was death. (laughs) Death. And it's one we've all participated in. So about a thousand years before Jesus lived, the wealthiest man on the planet, King Solomon, decided he would try again. He decided he would go out and he would, he would seek the meaning of life, but he's seeking it in a way that hopefully you're not seeking it, but maybe you are. I know for a lot of my life, I'm actually coming into the second half now where I can say that I've been a follower of Jesus more than I haven't been, but, but he was seeking it in, in things apart from God. He was very wealthy, very famous. His name is Solomon. He and he, and he just decided, you know what, I'm going to see, I'm going to go out and experience the world apart from God, and I'm going to see if I can find satisfaction. He was rich, he was famous, he was exceedingly wise, and the book of Ecclesiastes tells us about his journey to seek satisfaction apart from God. And today we close the first section here at the end of chapter 2. He's moved from intellectualism, which we might call the the worship of the mind. He thought if I could just think enough, I could figure it out. He's moved from there to, to uh, hedonism. Hedonism, the Bible tells us that he has 700 wives and 300 concubines. Those are kind of girlfriends on the side. I guess he didn't want to commit to them like he did to the 700 wives. Now, the Bible doesn't say that's okay. Don't get any ideas, guys, right? I don't know one of you can handle one. Forget about 700, right? And imagine what Mother's Day was like for him. 700 wives? I'd be like, oh, honey, sorry. <laughs> International road trip. I got I to gotta be, be somewhere else. And then he moves on to materialism. He figures, well, I'll just buy my way to happiness. Remember we said that he had the, the full-orbed uh, party going at his house all the time. Some people today go, well, I went to Woodstock. He would be like, I had that at my house every day. And the Bible is showing us that the man, God is so gracious to show us this, that the man who actually had it all came to the conclusion that, you know what, I got it all, and it was really unhappy. And part of it comes down to the way that we have been hardwired and designed. So we have to go through two very depressing sections before we get to the better stuff. I hope you'll bear with me. If you're taking notes, four things we want to note Today, uh, one will be Earth's best way to happiness. Two will be Earth's inevitable end. Three will be heaven's best way to happiness. 
and four will be heaven's inevitable end. I'll call them out a little slower as we go along. Number one, earth's best way to happiness. If this is it, if this is it, what's the best way to be happy? Solomon's done his research. He had it all. He had all the stuff we couldn't get. And he's gonna tell us if this is it, this is what we gotta do. Verse 12, he said, then I turned myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. These are the things he already tried. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. What's he saying? He said, listen, you can try what you want after me, but you're just gonna try the same things. So I'm gonna save you all the time, the pain and the heartache, and I'm gonna tell you the conclusions I came to. Verse 13, then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. And then we'll read the first half of verse 14. It's a proverb. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. So here King Solomon tells us, my research has been extensive and it's been thorough. I've covered all the bases. I went out and experienced everything and anything and everything that a man or woman could go for. And here's my results. First off, it was a profound emptiness. It was like a hole that could never be filled. I just kept filling it and filling it and filling it. And the more I filled it, the emptier it was. So I went out and partied. And when I got up the next day, I felt guilty. As the day went on, the hangover wore off. I thought, well, maybe tonight I could party hardier. Different girls, different place, different location, and it would be better. And he says, I found it all to be empty. There must be more. Now, no surprise of the result of his experiment. He tells us here that it's better to be wise than to be a fool. How many of you knew that? You know that, right? You're like, I came to church for this. You're kidding me. I knew that before I got here. He also says it's better to walk in the light than in the dark. You know that, right? You ever wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, I got this wired, right? I know what I'm doing. And then two minutes later, ow! <laughs> My wife's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I should turn the light on. <laughs> Walking the wrong way, stubbing your toe. He's telling us stuff that we already know. If you're wise, what's gonna happen? Actually, a study just came out, I think it was from Harvard, just came out this week that talked about uh, just some certain ways of living and, and if we bring up our kids that they'll be more prone to, to a thriving career and a thriving marriage and, and a thriving life. Basically, he says, listen, if, you, if you're wise, you'll usually work harder, you'll probably accomplish more, you'll have a better home life, you'll be more stable, you'll be more prone to make good decisions than bad decisions. And at the end of the day, he's telling us that's really Earth's best way to be happy. That's it. Make smart decisions. You'll be able to live with yourself. That's it. Number two, Earth's inevitable end. This is where it gets really depressing. You ready? How many of you are ready to be depressed? Some of you look like you were depressed when you got here, so don't blame me, all right? Second half of verse 14, yet I myself perceived that the same event, what's that event? He's gonna talk about death, happens to them all. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why was I then more wise? It's like, really, if we're both just gonna go in the ground, I mean, if that's it, if life apart from God is you just go in the ground and it's done, why in the world did I even care about being a decent person? Why even care about being good? Why care about helping others and loving others? I should just be out for myself. He says, then I said in my heart, this is also 
vanity. Some versions say meaningless. Remember, we talked about that word actually means it's just a breath. This world, this life is just a breath. What's the point? Verse 16, for there is no more remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever, since all that is now will be forgotten in the days to come. And how does a wise man die? As the fool. Same thing, same end result. Same inevitable end without God. Verse 17, therefore, I hated life. Maybe a strong word, may, may just say, I just, I, I just came to dislike life. You know what it's like? You don't even want to get out of bed. Well, really, this is, this is lame. Therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun, again, that term means without God in the picture, was distressing to me for all is vanity. It's all temporary. It's all meaningless and grasping for the wind. It's like just trying to go outside and it's really windy and you're trying to catch it and hold it in your hand. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. (laughs) What a downer. So here he says, listen, I've, I've figured it out. Whether you live wisely or you live foolishly, if this is it, if this is all there is, it doesn't really matter because we're all just gonna die soon and we'll soon be forgotten. You know, like in your house, some of us have, have uh, <laughs> we have people's pictures hanging on the wall and the friends come over and they go, who is that? And you go, that's my great, great grandfather. And they're like, really awesome, what's his name? You're like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> Where'd they live? Europe, <laughs> right? You know, South America, right? You don't, we don't even know really anything about them. And that's probably why Ancestry.com exists. Presidential election, if you're watching the news, it's already starting to heat up. Young people, you're going to start hearing some names about, we need to be more like this guy and that guy. One of them you'll hear about is Ronald Reagan. And you'll be like, yes, I know, he has an airport. The other side of the coin will say, you know, we have to be more like FDR. And you'll be like, I've been on his road, man. They got a lot of potholes, always traffic. We need to do something with that. Famous people aren't even remembered. One of the things I like to do is I like to get in my car and um, just go through the stations and listen to the music that's on because the music tells you a lot about a culture. As best I can tell, most radio stations that are popular today have about five songs they play. We Christians are far more sophisticated. We have 10 on our stations. And, uh, you know, it's you just go and it's, you know, there's Bruno Mars' song. It's on eight stations, right? And, and then you flip to another one and it's Maroon 5. Those of us who are younger, we're like, oh, Maroon 5, that's cool. Those of us who are older, we're like, who would ever name their group Maroon 5? Because we used to watch Bugs Bunny. And he'd be like, what a Maroon. Like, I would never, never name my group Maroon 5. What a Maroon 5. Every time I hear that, I think of that. Another one that's always on the radio is uh, Taylor Swift's song, Style. Now she's changed her style. She's not country anymore. I guess she's pop now. And and, uh, if you want to have a song written about you, just go out with Taylor Swift, and she'll she'll write a song about you. And uh, she sings this in style. She says, uh, we'll never go out of style. Yeah, you will. Statistically speaking, in 20 years, Taylor Swift will be playing at the Stone Pony down in Asbury Park. (laughs) And you young people will be going there to watch her. 
I'm not making fun of you because I'll be on a bus with a bunch of old people going up to Mohegan Sun to watch Bono reviews, okay? <laughs> because all the Elvis guys are gone. <laughs> when I'm feeling really wild, I'll go to Branson, Missouri. <laughs> Once again, we turn to that great, great theologian about death, Woody Allen. Woody Allen says this, if you're saying, uh, Pastor Jim, he's not a theologian, I know, but he thinks through death in such an incredible way that he really tells the story of what it's like to live without God. He says this, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work, I just want to achieve it by not dying. (laughs) I don't care what I do to live forever, I just want to live forever. Death looms over every heart, could be one of the reasons why we struggle to be happy. We all know the clock's ticking. We all know it's getting late. It's rather scary. Some people say that death is part of life. I always say that's, that's really easy to say when no one close to you has just died because it certainly doesn't seem like it's part of life when it's someone close to you. Thinking about our own death is... It's very uncomfortable, isn't it? It's a topic that we love to avoid. You know, we we say around here, you know, some of us, we we buy life insurance in case we die. What? (laughs) It's not in case. You're going to die. It's not like, do I need it? Do I, you know, based on some circumstances. Now, we should remember that that death is the way that, that God brings his children home. Death is also a way that, that God uses to get us to consider eternity. You know, I always say when I speak at a funeral, the people in the first two or three rows, they're so upset, and they should be appropriately so, they don't listen to a word the preacher says. But from the third or fourth row back, everybody is listening very intently because they're thinking about death. Now, weddings are the exact opposite. The people in the front are the only ones listening. Everybody else is like, shut up, preacher boy. We got a party. Okay, so I understand that. But death is an unusual thing. All right, well, verse 18, it gets better, right? No, it gets worse. Sorry. Uh, Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun. Toil is a common word that uh, the Bible writer or Solomon's going to use. God's less impressed with who wrote it rather that he he inspired it. If you're wondering, you don't even know who wrote it. He says, then I hated all my labor which I had toiled under the sun. It's a, it's, toiled is a word that means hard, continuous work. Do you ever feel like getting out of bed is toiling? Getting in your car, commuting to work? Awful, just absolutely awful. He said, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. So he says, I am working so hard, accumulating all this stuff, and I'm going to leave it to somebody else. You know that, right? Where there's a will, there's a relative. You all know that, right? (laughs) Somebody else is going to come along and take it. Verse 19, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. You're like, I know. Yet he will rule over, or some versions say, be master of all my labor in which I toiled and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. They're going to get everything I work so hard for, he says. 
Verse 20, therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor which I had toiled under the sun. Remember, he was a huge builder. He's out looking out over everything he's built. The kingdom of God's people has never been bigger. And he's like, what a waste of time. Verse 21, for there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. He's talking about himself, and he says, I'm going to leave it to one of my kids. And Bible students, you know that his son Rehoboam took over, and there was 12 tribes, let's call it 12 districts for our light, easy to think, and he lost 10 of them. I'm not great at math, but that's not good. <laughs> There's 10 out of 12, that's, that's not good. Verse 22, for what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? What do you get at it? You were supposed to go nothing. We're supposed to be like nothing. Verse 23, for all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Well, once again, happy Mother's Day. So here we have King Solomon, a rich, successful visionary, very skilled at international trade, building a world superpower, and he's looked ahead. He's he's a visionary. He's able to look down the line, and he says, I'm just going to leave it to someone else. And I'm not even so sure everything that I've worked so hard is even going to last one generation. He realizes he can't control it. Some of us work so hard to control the world, and the real outcome of it is we end up being so consumed with worry that we can't even sleep at night. Tossing and turning of things that we cannot control at all. King Solomon says, why in the world am I working so hard for something here on earth Because I honestly can't even tell you if my kids are going to invest it or my kids are going to waste it. Now, I would never say this in the first service, so don't tell them I said it, okay? But this is a much more mature crowd, right? Maybe not. King Solomon, in our age, and this comes from the fact that I do believe that marijuana will be legal fairly soon, And King Solomon's saying, is my kid going to do good or buy good pot? (laughs) Is he going to help people and contribute to the world? Or is he going to go out and party? Now, some of you parents right now are saying, don't give my kids any ideas, Pastor Jim. (laughs) Don't worry, right now they're going, shut up, Pastor Jim, move on to the next point. They're not going to leave me a dime. (laughs) So right now we'd like to have the ushers come forward for the inheritance offering. (laughs) because we'll put it to good work for you. Solomon has moved from frustration with life to despair. Listen to what the French philosopher Voltaire said. He said, I hate life, and yet I am afraid to die. He was a deist. He's one of those people who thought, you know, God put us here, kind of this cruel trick, dropped us here, and then that was it. He was done with us. So Voltaire says, I hate life, and yet I'm afraid to die. I can't stand this place. I want to get out of this place, but I'm afraid to get out of this place that I can't stand. Death reminds us that as hard as we may try, we cannot control the world. And we have to admit that's a helpless feeling. 
Herman Melville said this. He wrote Moby Dick, if if that name sounds familiar, back in the 1850s. Ecclesiastes is the truest of all books. Why would he say that? Well, because it tells us about earth's inevitable end. All right, to something a little bit more positive. You're like, anything is more positive than where we've been so far. Number three, heaven's best way to happiness. But this is heaven's best way to happiness on earth. Verse 24 that we're focusing on, or, or sometimes you say, where's the focus on? It's really sort of what, what sets me off in the theme of the, of the study. Verse 24, he says, nothing is better, or there is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink, and his soul should enjoy good in his labor. You have been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you would like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it is common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all of our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of Ecclesiastes, one verse at a time. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today.